From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. And this is the best beer show on the internet. According to our mothers. And we've been really bad about having episodes the past couple of weeks. Yes, uh... Life has been kicking me. Well, in. you know, you were supposed to do one while I was gone, yeah. and you didn't. One, I didn't know how, and two, Eric completely just kind of said he wouldn't have time to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, but you didn't know how you could have bothered Carlos or Matt or. I figured, <laughs> but I still it still yeah. would have been a solo show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, and those are no fun. Well, Nobody wants to listen to us monologue. I, I would have, if I was going to do that, I would have at least wanted to know how to record it and live because I would have sat in your chair. And, like, asked a question, run around, sit in my chair, <laughs> answered it, and then the whole back and forth, it would have been Yeah, comedic. because they, they can totally tell what microphone you're on. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, that and, God, what happened? I saw the the second Mockingjay movie. We parked out behind the theater, and then when we came back, uh, two of our tires were slashed. Well, shit. Yeah, that really sucked. Yeah, who'd you piss off? Nope, I I have no idea. I guess something like six cars got hit that night. Oh, wow. Including several cars behind Bose. Uh, One of my coworkers actually not exactly ran into them, but like heard what was going on, walked around the corner, and they were walking away, so they saw it quick, but they weren't going to like exactly chase people with knives. Well, yeah, yeah. So, you shouldn't run with knives anyway. So I, I got the police report written up, and he happened to be walking by, and so he gave an exceptionally rough description of who it might have been, and of course I haven't heard back on anything yet. Well, so. even if you do, there's yeah. probably not going to be a whole no. lot that comes of it. No, so that just means I spent 150 bucks on new tires. Yeah, but at least you have new tires now. So they, that's pretty great. No, they were new tires, and they were like $150 new tires. Well, that so, sucks. Yeah, I know it really does. So, I mean, we definitely got hit and got downgraded. But on the bright side, I brewed on Sunday. Hey! Totally a thing. Awesome. Actually, I think I brewed twice since we've been last on. Okay. Um. Well, let's let's hit brew f- one then. What brew was the first one. one. Uh, so brew one is just a horribly awkward recipe. Because I was just grabbing whatever I had, because it was going to be like the okay, I got the kinks worked out brew, but just in case I don't, I don't care what it is. So I just kind of grabbed the closest ingredients, threw them in uh, with my one gallon system, and said, "Work darn you!" And and I got it to work. Nice. So there were a couple of things. I I think the I think I got the the heating element finally worked out. Okay. And so what I end up having to do is I set it for like 120 degrees, maybe 115 degrees. And then, you know, it's going to turn the thing on and it's going to start getting hot and it's going to reach 115 and it's going to turn the thing off. And then the residual heat is just going to keep on heating the mash ton and it's going to overheat by like 25 or 30 degrees. Okay. By a lot. And I think that's primarily due to the fact that I just have... A, a heating element with an amazing output compared to a small volume that I'm mm. trying to heat with yeah. it. So, I, I mean, I think that's just consequential of 
the pieces I put together. Okay. Um, and if I, you know, stay within like that 115 to 120 range, I'm going to overshoot and then land like right in the middle of mashing temperatures. So not, not crazily accurate, unfortunately. Well, so you can't, you well, I mean, you, you can, you can ballpark it, it sounds like, but you can't get it down to like the degree. Well, what happens is after it gets to that point and peaks out, let it stay there for about 10 minutes. And then I can bring the set temp to whatever I want, and then it'll come back and stay within uh, 0.3 degrees of where I tell it to. Okay. So it's just that initial over initial spike the, up, the initial spike, and then it's got it figured out after that. Oh, okay. All right. So and and that's why every time I said like I tried to bring it up, it way the heck overshot, and then I could figure it out. I I just finally figured out how I can not. Not way overshoot. Wreck it in the process. Yeah. So the the only problems I've run into since then is the recirc has gotten plugged a few times. Oh, not getting uh not getting yeah. And uh, Well you know, man, if you if you just used a false bottom, I think that might help. I mean you just you might get a better uh filter bed. <coughs> just just maybe. It was the shower head I purchased. <laughs> Well, I finally looked in, and it's got just this tiny little hole to let water actually into it. So I just I just drilled that out. Okay. <laughs> and that got a lot better. Uh, so the recipe on the first one I made was two pounds of Pilsner, one pound of Munich 10. Then I used Columbus for bittering, an unknown amount. Uh, Brewer's Gold at 10 minutes, even more, but unknown amount. And then T fifty eight yeast. And how did it uh, like? How does it taste? Ah, uh, interesting. Not not bad. I mean, but it it's clearly nothing to write home about, except to say that I tried this interesting thing that <laughs> was a complete CF from the get go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the only problem with that right now is the yeast is stalling. Okay. Um, it's old yeast. So I just I need to get some fresh yeast and just you know get that started and throw it in there. Okay. Are you uh, looking up the T fifty eight? No, no, I'm I'm yeah. looking up something else. Just uh, all right. And then uh, the second batch was because I was getting together with Chad because we were just kind of both free on a day. And what was that? That was two p- two pounds of mild ale, a quarter pound of honey malt. Okay. Did I, did I say mild ale? Yeah. Mild mild malt. Okay. Yeah, mild malt, then a quarter pound of honey, and then uh, an amount of brewer's gold for bittering and an amount at uh, 10 for flavor. Then that one I used Windsor Ale Yeast by Lullamond. Hmm. And uh, I got... Oh, 10, 1045 with like one and a half, almost two gallons. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad at all. I, I haven't crunched the numbers yet because I don't exactly know how much I have. But the biggest problem I'm having with the system right now is my sparging requires a lot more water than one would do <laughs> compared to how much I mash with. Yeah. And so I end up with a lot more wort than I want. 
That seems like a good problem to have. Uh, it is when you have fermenters that can hold that much. Well, use two fermenters. Boom. Problem I, solved. I only have two, and one of them already had beer in it. <laughs> no, actually, so I have a, a bottling bucket that I made. It's like two gallons. I've actually just been using that as my primary. And then, like, after the primary ends and I'm going to transfer it into secondary, I just plug the bottling bucket in, put it in my glass carboy, and I can drain that off and get it really, really full without worrying about blow-off. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's actually pretty convenient. Yeah. So the, the first beer I have has, like, a quarter inch of headspace. Done. Yeah. So, hey, guess what? I've been brewing since the last time. I just talked about it. That's exciting. Pretty fascinating. Um, What's your story? I transferred the... Uh, well, no. Did, did I talk about the uh, the Wee Heavy? You did when I was crushing grains here. No, but I talk about it when oh, uh, on the show. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've talked about the Wee Heavy on the show. Um, so we finally... I transferred it into barrels uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend. Or into barrel, I should say. All right. Um, and yeah, that's just, uh, so far tasting pretty good. I'm excited to see what the barrel age, uh, will do to it. So it's going to sit in barrels until the first or second week in January. So not a terribly long time, but. so stoked. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, it should be pretty great. Uh, It'll be fun. Um, but yeah, uh, the, got the, uh, the other part of the, um, Imperial Stout off of oak and waiting on some vanilla bean to uh, to put that to put to put in it. Have you ever bought um, fresh vanilla like actual vanilla beans? Yes. Unbelievably expensive. Yes, they're not cheap, but you don't need much. You need like one. No, I know. It's just I never really experienced that. But even at Walmart, I got like, you know, one of those um, pepper grinder things. Except it was empty with two vanilla beans in it. It was like thirteen bucks. Yeah. No, vanilla is not. Like the cheapest thing in the world. It was surprisingly, amazingly expensive. Yes. Um. So yeah, that'll that should be good. Um. This this batch is a little bit more oaky than the other one because it got left in the barrel a little bit longer. Oh, oh for sure. I know. Just uh it's the worst. I'm so disappointed. Um, and then uh, one of our listeners, Thomas, sweet, uh, sent in uh or well we we were talking um while I was having about you know 14 on Thanksgiving and. Uh, he was telling me about uh, this experiment that he did, and I kind of want to mention it because it was really intriguing to me because you know how I hate the brewing process and want to get done as soon as possible. And you know how I love possible. experimenting. Yes, exactly. So I figured this this hits the sweet spot for both of us. 15-minute <laughs> uh, mash, 15-minute boil, 5-gallon session smash pale ale. Wow. Yep. Um, results? Uh, he used six pounds of two row at 150 for the 15 minute mash, um, and he used uh, Centennial as the hop. Uh, his start, his uh, uh, OG uh, ended up being uh, 1029. Okay. Uh, and he got an FG of uh, uh, 1004. Okay. So I mean, it actually know. sounds pretty baller. Yeah. For a half hour, uh, yeah, what what did he say? He was done in, like... Two hours. Two hours with cleanup. Yeah, all done in under two hours, including prep and cleanup for five gallons of beer. And he said it was, it was like, five pounds for five gallons? Uh, he did a six... It was six pounds of two-row. Okay, six pounds. 
So that 1029 is actually a really reasonable number. Yeah, to it have is. No, it, it's minutes. very reasonable. Yeah. And that the the only the only thing um, I'm a little worried about with the boil it uh, with doing that is if you do anything like with Pilsner malt, you're not gonna uh, get rid of all of those uh, like the DMS and then all the precursors and stuff. Yeah. Yep. So the the boil is probably the one part I w- I would say try and skimp on less and less and less. Yeah, but I mean for two row you don't you don't have a whole lot of that stuff no, to really worry no, about. No, and that's true. And you can actually. Obviously, like what he just did, reasonably get away with uh, a very short mash on just pure base malt, because uh, their lintner and, and conversion yeah. power is just through the roof. Yeah. Well, yeah. and uh, uh, I suggested um, if you want to like, because like right now he has like uh, twenty nine IBUs in it, and if you want to bump that up, because it's a little on the low side for a session pale ale, well, use hop shots. Yes. Oh my gosh, hot sh- hop shots. We've. Uh, Eric and I have actually used those in the past. Um, you got to be a little. I you got to be careful with it because I mean it's pure hop extract. Yeah. It, well, they they give you a chart that says how much compared to how long you boil it yields how many IBUs. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know the capacity for like storage for another use because it literally just comes in. I don't. Yeah, I don't think you'd want to store it. Well, because it, it just comes in like a, oh, a syringe. A syringe. Yeah. And so it's like if you only want half of it, what do you do with the other half? Do you just get rid of it? Probably. Which would be a bummer, but it's surprisingly not very expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So, like, uh, Hop Shots would, get, would boost that IBU to where, um, you know, it would be a session pale ale instead of, like, a session blonde at this point, I think. Yeah. Like an American blonde. Yeah. And... W- what I think, you just also wouldn't have to deal with the mess of trying to use a lot of high, high or even more low alpha to try and meet that IBU in fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, and then you can, and then he he also dry hopped it too to get that hop flavor sure. in there, the hop flavor and aroma with more so, centennial. Yep, nice. Um, yeah, no. So I'm like, oh, that is that is beautiful, and um, I I thought it would I thought it sounded uh, like a perfect thing to do with like a half of Eisen, where you're sure. not looking for a whole lot of IBUs, um, and you're not looking for a whole lot of ABB, ABV because you're not going to get that. And if you get the same type of conversion that you had here, it'd be awesome. And um, you'd still have like, and your your beer's going to be cloudy because you're not going to get your huge hot break and all that. So half of Eisen is perfect, and he's like, "Oh, I already have that planned. Have the half of Eisen in the fridge ready to go." I'm like, Great minds, man. Great minds. <laughs> I love it. That is a fascinating thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't suppose he he kind of said what equipment he used at all, did he? Uh, just his brew system. I don't. Uh, okay. I, yeah, I think it's you know. I mean, was it all grain? I assume. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I know. A a 15 minute boil with uh, extract isn't terribly impressive because, well, you don't technically need to boil extract at all. (laughs) No, not really. Yeah. Just just for the hops. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so that was that's that's kind of been my my brew stuff this past uh, couple weeks. Couple weeks. Because you left, you abandoned us. I didn't abandon you. I went on a work trip to Florida. Oh, work in quotations. No, there was started. a lot of damn work that happened. There was a lot of other things that happened too, <laughs> but there was a lot of work that happened. So, 
while I was trying to think of a topic for today's episode, I we've just, had two weeks, right? Uh, I kind of reflected on the problems I've been having with uh, my homebrew system, and unfortunately, it just kind of centered on uh, my issues with old yeast, and I've just been having them, and so I looked it up, and what I found was an entire scholarly article. Uh, let me get back to the top here. Called. Wonderful. Okay. The impact of brewing yeast cell age on fermentation performance, attenuation, and flocculation. Okay. So this was like an in a, a science lab experiment that they ran uh, with three different yeast span or yeast strands provided by Coors. Okay. Coors Brewery. And I thought it was, uh, I ended up reading it, and it was very, 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 very detailed. Oh, my God. Uh, with a whole bunch of words I didn't quite understand. Uh, but it was really fascinating because I learned a whole lot about yeast age, and it didn't even answer the question I was trying to ask. Okay. Because uh, I was, I was mostly trying to ask, like, you know, this yeast packet has been you know, sitting somewhere for a long time, can I use it and to what extent? And this is talking about the the age of yeast within a batch of beer. You know, how many times has it reproduced, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I titled this one Yeasty Beastie Old Timers, because why not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, sidestep here. Uh, we've talked about washing and reusing yeast before. We've mentioned it. Yep. Yes. Uh, have we Have we ever really gone too in-depth with it? No, it's not something I've ever done, so I never really felt qualified to go in-depth on it. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you understand yeah, the Yeah, I, I understand okay. the process. Uh, give me a, a generalized overview of, of how it goes. If Basically, uh, I guess washing yeast is after you've pulled off um, your uh, your beer, you put the yeast in a jar chill it um so like the trub settles out and you start just racking it until you're um like and you keep repeating that process until you're left with yeast pretty just much yeast. yeah pretty much uh so the general idea is you just collect yeast from your fermenter so you can use it again and there's um half a dozen different ways of doing it for the most part uh and and you more or less covered all of them in one um Different collection methods, I yeah, guess, okay. would be the the biggest variable. A lot of people will just like collect trub or not trub the the krausen off the top, uh, culture that, and then keep it and then reuse it. Uh, a lot of people or some people with uh, conical fermenters will just grab the stuff right off the bottom, go through the process you just described, and then they'll have yeast and go through that. And then others with like uh, plastic buckets and other stuff will. Um, let it settle out, collect all the trub, and then go through the process that you're talking about. Sound about right? Yep. All right. So uh, I suppose this this one's kind of moot then. Uh, do you have any special techniques or specific suggestions on this whole process? The only suggestion I can make is the reason that I haven't done it is, like, yeah, yeast is a little, on like, I mean, it's, it's six bucks or six or seven bucks a smack pack, which I mean is is a little on the spendier side for like you know ingredients wise, but when you buy a smack pack, you know that it's not infected, 
And when you're doing it, like, cleanliness is godliness. Like, it's not next to. It is godliness there. Like, you need to be crazy uh, sanitized with your uh, with your process and collection just to make sure that you're not screwing up a second batch of beer because you uh, skimp somewhere in your uh, washing process. Yep. And, and I found this out. I didn't realize it. Um, I guess when you collect yeast, it's only viable in the fridge for another couple weeks. Yeah, so you got You have to uh, brew pretty, pretty much relatively quickly. Though I will say, um, commercial brewers do this uh, for one very important mm. reason: um, the yeast gets better as uh, the generations go on, and it really hits its stride in like uh, after like two or three um, generations. I mean, and then it'll peter out again after like depending on who you talk to, seven or ten. Um, but you get you get your best performance out of that yeast um, in that middle area there. Yeah, and I, I'm just going to toss this out there because I read it in this article and I didn't necessarily know. Some breweries will reuse their yeast up to and over 20 times. Mm-hmm. Um, and for them, it has huge financial implications. For us as home brewers, we'll save a couple of bucks here and there. If yeah, we but they're to pitching, you know, five-gallon oh, starters. Oh, yeah, or, they, well, They'll pitch so much yeah. yeast. So, I don't even want to know what five gallons of yeast would cost. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it comes in a corny keg. That's, uh... <laughs> There's your sign. I mean, they just they just pull the tap, and they just yeast right into right. the... Um, so, according to the study, young, middle-aged, and old cells within a single fermentation process uh, tend to stay at different levels within the wort while they're, while they're fermenting. Uh, what do you think those layers might look like? Uh, the the old and the new? Or old, let's call it old, middle-aged, and new. Okay, so, I mean, I feel like they might stratify quite a bit with the old settling to the bottom first because the new is still going to be flocculating in the in the beer, yeah. trying to, you know, get all those sugars out. Um, and then, I mean, eventually it'll settle out, and the, I feel like they'll stratify because the older ones uh, kind of falling out first, and then... For the most part, yeah. Uh, the oldest will be at the bottom, the absolute youngest will be way at the top, and then the vast majority is this uh, gradient mixture, relatively speaking. Uh, anyways, so what are the implications of this on the different methods for yeast harvesting, do you think? Um, so I feel like the implications with this, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure about the impli- Well. I mean, you, you want to pull that bottom layer off and probably discard, which if you're using a conical, if you, uh, I guess if you pulled uh, early while uh, fermentation was still happening, you would probably get a bunch of the old stuff that's, st- that's already fallen out um, before the new yep. stuff has a chance to layer on the bottom. Yep. And then you could harvest as normal after that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess specifically, and I, and I kind of mentioned the yeast collection process specifically because of this question, is uh, if you have, like, a conical and you're pulling that stuff off the bottom, you'll get primarily old yeast. And then if you are harvesting Krausen, you will get primarily really young Krausen yeast. is always, like, <coughs> the most active and... And then... Uh, vigorous. Yeah. And then uh, most other methods, which, you know, kind of uh, imply the collect everything mix it, separate it out, and then keep the good stuff, will give you this mixture of young and old and everything in between. Okay. So 
they they it plays in depending on your method of collection for the yeast. Yeah. Uh, so do you, uh, which do you think is the most beneficial for a batch of beer? Between those three different, like, I think you young, old, and the mixed. Probably. Man, I don't know. Uh, a mixture, well, probably the mixed, because uh, you're gonna want the stuff that's been around the block for a while, and then some new stuff, right? Or do you want all new stuff? You do not want all new yeah, stuff. This so was something that I might not have guessed, uh, but in the long run, it makes a lot of sense, and partly for a whole bunch of reasons that you probably can't even or don't even think of. Or wouldn't. Uh, so ultimately, well, you never want the yeast fresh out of college. You want you want the experienced stuff that's been around for a while. Though I mean, you want some of that so you can uh, so that it brings new yeast ideas to the table. Yep, yep. So mostly old yeast will give uh, the fastest and best results for successful and for successive beers. Uh, mostly young yeast. Uh, has the least impressive results with longer lag times and less flocculent properties. Okay. Um, don't don't get me wrong; it'll be a, a perfectly acceptable and successful beer, but you know, in this small area of comparison, and then the mix will give uh, great results with the ability for uh, more successive reuses. Okay. See, so if you're using just the primarily old, you won't be able to reuse, you know, collect and reuse as many times as if you have that mixture. Of the and new and the old. Of the new and the old, yep. Get the best properties of both. Absolutely. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? What What do you think the old cells... Well, no. Why do you think the old cells seem to ferment faster, more completely, and, and fall out of suspension better? They know what they're doing. Pretty much. They've pretty learned. Much. Like, yeah. yeast is an organism. I'm assuming it learns what sugars are the best and what sugars are not. I am... Um, Yes, but that's not the entire part of it. It also has to do with the fact that uh, young yeast has a whole maturation process to go through. Okay, um, and that's uh, the biggest component for the the lag time aspect is that they need to grow up, they need to acclimate to the environment, uh, and then they start processing or and, met and metabolizing the sugars the way the old stills pretty much just start doing. So the the mixture and the old, uh, very little lag time to speak of. Okay. Excuse me. Um, let's see. Uh, older cells have had a generation or two to adapt to the environment, and old cells have a higher flocculation rate due to cell wall topography. There's a word you didn't think I was going to use. Did topography. You? Topography or cell wall. I figured you'd use cell wall. Because I'm assuming that as they get older, the cell walls start to just deteriorate and... Not exactly deteriorate. They just literally become more textured, I suppose would be the word to say. Lumpy. Yeah. I'm going to use the word lumpy. Lumpy. And they begin to act as their own nucleation sites. Oh, we don't want that. Yeah, you do. Oh, we want that. Yeah, we want lumpy cells. Lumpy cells for flocculation, at least. Okay. So, um... They had a couple of charts up there in reference to the the speed of fermentation and fermentation completeness between young, mixed, and old. And the oldest had the 
the fastest results, but they pretty much all started and ended in the exact same spots. Okay. So uh, Final Gravity had virtually no impact on it, um, but Flocculation had just a ridiculous difference. Hmm. And they have a whole bunch of special ways to measure Flocculation, and I did not read into it too hard because a whole bunch of words I didn't understand. But they have a way to measure Flocculation, that's cool. It it really is. Um, and guess to what extent flocculation differed between the young cells and the old cells? Uh, are we talking like percentage here? Ah, uh, yeah, percentage. Okay. Um, I want to say there was at least a thirty percent, but probably a much higher percentage. Um, like let's say there's a sixty percent difference. Not. Quite. Ooh, I was close. But it did double for almost or for each of three different samples with ten replicative measurements. Wow. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh, some of them started out at like forty six and ended up at at almost ninety percent flocculent between young versus old yeast cells. Wow. That is. That's huge. That, that massive. Massive. I di- I had no idea. Uh, you you read that most of them have like this uh, sixty to seventy percentish range when you mm-hmm. when you buy your yeast fresh, and I guess that's because you pretty You're much pitching get like, young yeast. Um, no, actually, you get like this, uh, like sixty thirty ten distribution, oh, distribution. between okay. young mixed and old. Uh, so the they do have plenty of the old cells, and that's why you don't experience. Much of a lag time. Especially if you're doing a starter. Yeah. Yep. That helps shorten that lag time. Helps shorten the lag time. Mature some of that younger yeast. Does what it's supposed to do. Yep. And why the flocculent percentage ends up in like the 60s and 70s instead of in the 40s or 80s. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, let's see. All in all, does this really... Affect the end result of my beer, and if so, what parts? Uh, faster fermentation. Ultimately, that, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean that's not really the end result. I mean, unless you know you need it at a certain time, then yeah. But no, yeah, you're gonna get a faster ferment time because the the mature yeast is just gonna chew through it faster. Yep, it's gonna chew through it faster, more completely, and with uh, technically fewer off layer flavors. Because it doesn't have the maturation process to mm-hmm. go through. Um, they didn't exactly make enough to any capacity that you'd want to taste it. They know that more off flavors happen, but they had no degree with which to like describe okay. what that means. Yeah. And they just and somewhere in their uh, discussion section, they're just like Yeah. I mean technically yes, but I don't really know what that means. Uh, that and the the flocculation uh, concept was huge. So especially if you're uh, if you're washing your yeast by collecting Krausen, probably a good idea to grab some of that trub and mix it in there and and try and separate from there. All right. So I thought that was really fascinating. It was like a twenty page thing, and I dug through the entire thing. Yeah, you should send me the link so I can post it on the Facebook page. I do. I actually have it right here. Okay. Uh, shoot it to my email. I shall. After the show, and we'll, we'll get that up today. All right, cool. Um, yeah. 
that was a really good discussion. Cool. Learned a lot about yeast. Same here. I do love learning about yeast. Not gonna lie, yeast is pretty freaking awesome. Well, it's it's my one of my favorite single-celled organisms. So, well, what I thought was was neat was uh, I, I went into Google Scholar and I'm like, how does my brewer's yeast? How does my old brewer's yeast? You know, work or what is the effect on that? And I, I found this right away. And I, because it, it says explicitly they use like one ale and two lager yeast strains. Huh. Um, and they worked with Coors Brewery and they went through un unri- like ridiculously regimented sciencey things hmm. to figure it all out. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, if you'd like to support us, head over to patreon.com slash blindnewstudios. Or uh, if you're going to do any Amazon shopping, uh, go to blindnewstudios.com, click on the Amazon link at our, on our homepage, and do your Amazon shopping. Uh, and we get a bit of a kickback from Amazon. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnewstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewstudios. Or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.